Okay, I'll be reading from 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 6. Or just back up to verse 4 of 1 John chapter 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then John goes on to say, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made Him a liar, because He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for these verses. These verses are kind of the verses you want to ignore and move on to the next passage. But unfortunately, we can't ignore these hard verses. Otherwise, we make it out to be a feeble, pathetic God. You are a great God. You are the Creator God. So help me, Father, to, to honour what Your Word has to say to us this morning. Help us to listen. Help us to hear the sacred Scriptures. Help us to hear in a way that we act upon Your Word and we walk in your ways. So Father, again, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us and illuminates the Scriptures and teaches us your truth. He is the Spirit of truth. And we thank you, your Word is the truth. So help us, Father. Help us to, to be faithful to the truth and speak it in, in love with a tender heart. Speak the truth in love with a tender heart. Father, again, I just thank you for Robertson Reformed Community Church. Thank you for all that you're doing here in this church. Thank you again that we as a church have received, believe and know, your testimony concerning your Son. But help us, Father, to embrace it and to walk this truth into this world. But thank you now, Father, for this morning. Thank you again that we can come and sit under your word. Thank you again for what I've learned, not only from your word, but what other commentators have said about this passage. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to hopefully hear God's testimony. Isn't it amazing that God has given us His testimony about His Son, and how often when we read this, this passage, verses 6 to 12, I think we just glance over it. I have. 
And I've had to stop now. I can't just glance over it. I can't duck and dive. I can't cut it out. I can't say, no, this is too hard. We don't need to hear this. Let's just move on to the next section. This is the beautiful thing when you preach expositionally. There's no shortcuts. If we're preaching topical sermons, yeah, we can ignore this hard passage. Because this passage is about God's testimony. And hopefully we believe in God's testimony. Hopefully as a church we know God's testimony. Because God's testimony is a testimony that we need to know and believe and make known to the lost world. So the Holy Spirit can testify about God's Son when we witness and testify the sacred scriptures to people. Why is it important to know God's testimony? Why is it important to believe God's testimony? Because our salvation depends on God's testimony, our eternal life. It's amazing that, that yeah, God gives His testimony about His Son. And think about it, what we will hear over the next two Sundays. Think about how we actually share God's testimony to this world. How, how close are we to being right and honest and true to God's word? The only, way that, the only way in which we can know that we have received the gift of salvation is to accept through faith the testimony of God concerning Jesus. And in this passage of 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 to 12, the word testimony and the word testify are repeated about eight times in reference to God's testimony. The basic meaning of the word testimony or witness is someone who has personal and immediate knowledge of something. And God has knowledge of something. And that something is His Son, which He has revealed to us in Scripture. So if you want to learn about God and His Son and His Spirit, go to the Scriptures. This is where we learn about God. Where we grow in our discernment. So when we hear other people talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, we'll have discernment to see if they are being truthful to God's Word and His testimony. We can kind of say that John has put us, put us in the courtroom and he's bringing forward witnesses to testify on Jesus' behalf. That He is the Christ, the Son of God. It's actually God's testimony. Christ testifies to us His truth about His Son. John, in this marvellous passage, presents God's own testimony to confirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's not some madman, perfect man, um, moral, upright, great teacher of a man. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Messiah that came, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And it's something that we need to embrace and, and, and take seriously. And God has given us His Helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us to understand God's testimony and to help us to witness God's testimony. In John 15 verse 26, But when the Helper comes, 
Whom shall I send to you from the Father? The Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit does not want to be made big. And the churches make him big and they put him up there. No. Holy Spirit is telling us, make Jesus big. So I can testify about him. I'm the shy trinity. I'm at the back. And all I want to do is you guys to, to witness about Christ so that I can testify about him in people's hearts. I can convict them of their sin and righteousness and judgment. I can do my work that I'm called to do. In the fourth gospel, the Spirit's testifying role is mainly bearing witness to Jesus against the world. Our salvation depends on believing God's testimony, which is the absolute truth. It doesn't matter what people think. Let's not, let's not worry what people think when we take them the truth. We'll see how wrong they are. And we'll see what blasphemy comes out of their mouth when they don't believe our truth. Because it's not our truth. It's God's testimony about His Son. And when someone doesn't believe, we get all upset with them. But actually, they're making God a liar. Have you ever thought about that? When you, when you witness to someone and they say they can't believe this rubbish, they're making God out to be a liar. And we forget about that, that they blaspheme And we focus on, oh, I haven't done my job properly. Oh, is God real? Oh, how can I witness better? But we forget what's going to happen to them if they carry on making God out to be a liar. So all this I want to do this morning is to, is to bring God's testimony back to our minds and hearts and i want to give us two truths from 1 john chapter 5 verses 6 to 12 that god testifies to us about his son to help us believe god's testimony to hold fast to god's testimony it's something that should be that should that should be so dear and so strong in our hearts that, that we sang adore him do we adore god and his testimony concerning his Son. And yeah, we have God Himself that testifies about His Son. Imagine putting God on the witness stand and saying to Him, Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? Imagine putting God on a, on a witness stand and asking Him to say that. Does He need to? It's amazing that we have this in the law courts. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? What does the atheist say at the end of that? Do they leave that out? I don't know. I've never been to court. But it would be interesting to what a person says they don't believe in God, no God. How do they get around this oath? It's amazing that this oath still is in courtrooms. Especially when you testify and witness about a court case. And yeah, we are going to testify and witness about God's testimony concerning His Son. And the first truth that God testified about His Son is that His testimony is trustworthy. Folks, we need to believe that we can hang on every word that is written in the sacred scriptures because it's trustworthy. It's given to us by the author Himself, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. 
This is not some man's figment of his imagination. The world needs to know that this Bible we read, this great book, comes from God Himself. Just like Peter said to the world, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This Bible we read, this beautiful book that is alive and is a double-edged sword, is a trustworthy book. It is the best book given to us, better than the gift to Louise and Mornay that I've given them. Do we open up this book daily? Do we read from the Scriptures daily? And how, why, how, why else can we know that God's testimony is trustworthy? Because Titus tells us in chapter 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, someone to finish the last three words, who never lies. Promised before the ages began. God cannot lie. That's why His testimony is trustworthy. What He has given us and spoken to us about His Son, starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's about His Son. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. And God does not lie. The prophet Samuel reminded King Saul that God, the glory of Israel, will not lie. 1 Samuel 15, verse 29. And because God is the source and measure of all truth, it is by definition impossible for God to lie. And therefore, His, his testimony, His word, is trustworthy. Like someone says, whenever God speaks the truth, He speaks from His own nature because He is the Father of truth. God's testimony about His Son is the truth and it's trustworthy. John 17, 7 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And God, He has supplied infallible witnesses to testify to his truth and one of those witnesses is his spirit it says that in 1 john this is the one who came by water and blood jesus christ not by the water only but by the water and blood and the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth that's why we don't have to we don't have to fear witnessing God's word because we're taking the truth to people. What we fear is always how they're going to react. Are they going to make fun of us? So we put the fear of man in front of us instead of the fear of God. And going in honour of God, we go fearing man and we make God so small. And then we don't, we don't, we don't make his word trustworthy and this truth. We don't, we don't then witness from convictions that are deep in our hearts because we've, we've, we've lost the battle by fearing man. Let us now turn to God's testimony and the time we have left looking at our first truth that God's testimony is trustworthy. Let's, let's look at God's testimony from 
verses 1, or f- sorry, from 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Because like I said, the one of those witnesses is the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And it's a very interesting verse, verses 6 and 7, especially verse 6. I'll read it again. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, what is all this, water and blood? Does it mean He was born, water and blood, from Mary? And then it says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Why does John say this? Why does John say that this is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ? Then he says, not by the water, but by the water and the blood. What's going on here? What, what, what is happening? What does John mean by the water and the blood? Because there is false teaching going on. If we understand what's going on in the historical context, then it helps to understand what, what John is saying. It's like he's contradicting himself. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. What do these two terms mean? Water and blood. Like I said, there's a lot of false teaching going on in this church. And a lot of the false teachings said that Jesus was merely a man. On, the, on, on whom the Christ had come when Jesus was baptized by John. But on the cross, Christ left Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so, so, and so Jesus died like any other human being. John writes to show that God has given testimony to the deity of Jesus through both water and the blood. Okay, let's look at this first infallible witness, the water. What is the water all about? The water is about Jesus' baptism. What happened at Jesus' baptism? The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and rested upon Jesus. Now, for that to happen, that means Jesus has to be the Son of God, the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit is preparing Jesus for his ministry to testify about God. The invisible God, Jesus made known the invisible God through Himself. The beginning of His ministry to make the invisible God visible to the human eyes. That's what Jesus did when He came. And the Holy Spirit came upon Him. But what else happened at His baptism? The Father said from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What is this telling us? That Jesus is the Son of God. They testify to us that here is the Messiah, the Son of God, you've been waiting for so long. Behold, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Not some king that's going to conquer the world like a warrior. Yeah, we have a humble man of God, a Lamb. But we know when Jesus returns later on, he returns as a lion, a roaring lion, to judge. The water testifies to Jesus, the Son of God, at his baptism. And these false teachers had no problem with it. 
That's why, that's why John says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only. See, they believed. False teachers believed in Jesus' baptism. They believed that Christ came upon him. But where they struggled was when it came to the blood. That's why John says, But by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Again, the Spirit is going to testify that it was Jesus, the Son of God, that died on the cross as the Son of God, not as a mere man. Christ did not leave him. God did not leave him. Like the false teachers were saying, they had a problem with the blood. And this is like why I said, John says, Jesus came not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the second infallible witness is the blood. Jesus also came by blood, which refers to the cross. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for forgiveness of sins. But just to not complicate things, when we speak about the water, Jesus' baptism, and we speak about the blood, the cross, we're speaking about Jesus' words and works. We're speaking about the life of Jesus' ministry. The time he started when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And those three years he had until he died on the cross. And he was the Son of God. He was the Son of David. He was the Son of Man. He was the Messiah. What happened, what happened at his death on the cross? The centurion cried out, Truly, truly, this was the Son of God. Again, that testifies. Who's telling us? The Holy Spirit's given us the Scriptures. The centurion that cried out, Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus did not just receive Christ at his baptism and lose it at the cross. That's why the, the water baptism and the blood are so important for us to believe that Jesus is the Christ to have eternal life. And there's still false teaching out there today. The world, Satan, invariably attacks the person of Christ, denying that he is the living, eternal God in human flesh. Satan wants to undermine who Christ is, who Jesus is. He's just a mere man. That's why all other religions are the same. But not according to God's testimony. And we will look at this deeper, Lord willing, next Sunday. But let's look at the third infallible witness. It's the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And His testimony is trustworthy because He is the truth. The Spirit is the truth. And therefore three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Think about it. We were not present at the baptism of Jesus or at his death. But who was present? The Holy Spirit. A lovely quote. If it were not God's, if it were not God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, there is no salvation. Vanity, vanity. We're all sitting here wasting our time. But we're not. Because we have a trustworthy 
testimony from God himself about his son. And we need to believe it. And we need to know that, that coming to church on a Sunday, should, you should come because you want to sit under God's word and allow him to minister to you this trustworthy word about his son so he can grow you and mature you so we can all grow up into the body of Christ and be mature, godly men and women, salt and light out in this dark world. We don't come here to, to entertain one another this is serious. This is about God and His truth. You mess around with God's truth. You mess around with your eternal life. Doctors don't mess around with patients when they come into their practice. They diagnose them thoroughly. They're competent. Because why? That patient trusts in the doctor's diagnostic test. He trusts in his diagnosis. He trusts in him. And as soon as we hear that that doctor is not trustworthy... Telling our word gets out and that guy's moved to another town very quick. Why don't we find God's word so trustworthy? Why don't we hold on to his, his truths in our hearts and embrace his love and his truth and all that he's done for us? I mean, he's given us more than we actually ask for. He's given us himself, his spirit to live in us, the spirit of truth to help us. We come to church because we are weak and we need to hear God's word so we can be dependent on his word and hold fast as we go out into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and fight the good fight for the sake of Christ. But hopefully you're not just going to church Sunday to Sunday. Hopefully you're opening up your word on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're going to prayer meeting. You're going to home fellowship group. You're doing more than just counting on a sermon. A sermon is not enough. A sermon hopefully stirs you up to embrace the truth so you're out there hungering and thirsting after God and His Word so you can walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Because why? Your eternal life depends on it. We've wishy-washy downplayed this gospel of Christ. Because we don't find this Word, God's Bible, trustworthy anymore. That's what I love about John Colvin is that when he was kicked out of Geneva, two years later he came back, he started prayer meeting. And when he opened up God's word, he went to where he left off in Ephesians two years prior to that and carried on preaching God's word because he knew that he can trust in the sacred scriptures to do their work that the Holy Spirit has called to do. And that is to convict people of sin, righteousness and judgment. Because his responsibility alone is to testify about Christ so the Holy Spirit can continue that work in people's hearts. Preaching has nothing to do with me. It all has to do with God's Word, making His Word known so the Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, can testify to our minds and hearts that what we hold on to here is the truth and it's trustworthy. This is why John says in verses 7 to 8 of 1 John chapter 5, For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If they disagree, there's a problem. I wouldn't be standing here. I want to worship a God that is in unity, in truth. And they agree, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agree 
But yeah, John talks about the Spirit and the water and the blood because the Spirit was there at the baptism. The Spirit was there when Jesus hung on the cross and died to forgive our sins. Not for us to, to mess around and do as we please and witness and testify as we please, but to come back and tell the world, here is God's testimony. And guess what? It's far greater than my testimony, which we'll look at, Lord willing, next Sunday. The Holy Spirit testified through Jesus' life as to his identity. And the reason why John sticks around with three that testifies because in the Old Testament the law required the testimony of two or three witnesses to establish the truth of a particular matter. And John was just being faithful to the Old Testament teaching. But like I said, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to take a stand. He doesn't have to say, do you swear to tell the truth? Like I said, imagine saying, Holy Spirit, do you swear to tell the truth? But he is the truth. So how, what are we trying to accomplish? He is the truth. And how often in our daily lives we do put God on the pedestal. And we do question God. His trustworthiness to his word. And we shouldn't. God has sworn to us. He has, in, in, in the good sense, he has given us his truth. It's his oath. And there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. We're in unity, in agreeing with the truth. We know John was an eyewitness, probably to Jesus' baptism, and certainly his death. We know John was there at his death. But he's given us something far greater than his testimony, which we're going to look at, Lord willing, when we come to our next truth. But he calls on the Holy Spirit to testify about God's testimony. If the Holy Spirit says this, we better wake up to the truth, God's testimony. Because the water, the baptism, and the blood, the cross, represent the story of Jesus' life. And Jesus' life, all that he accomplished, in those three years of being the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, the story of our Lord and Saviour Jesus, the Son of God in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, is a trustworthy story. Will you embrace it? Will we hold fast and teach the truth to fight off these false teachers that deny that Jesus Christ is the living eternal God in human flesh? who deny that Jesus is the source of eternal salvation, because Jesus is the eternal source of salvation. Hebrews, again, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews for a, for a long time, but there's so, there just so much truth in the book of Hebrews, especially 9, 14, Hebrews chapter 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And we'll look at verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 9. He entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Do we, do we hear what, what, 
what God the Father has secured for us through His Son's death on the cross, an eternal redemption, redeemed from hell. There's only two places you go to. As a Christian, you go to heaven, and as an unbeliever, non-Christian, you go to hell. I tell you this because God's Word tells us this. And there are churches today that you cannot mention sin and hell in those churches. Because it's offensive. And it better be offensive. Because it's the reality of life. That there's one true living God. And there's only one place that we will spend eternity with this God is in heaven. Because we have our eternal redemption secured in Jesus Christ. In His water baptism and in His bloodshed on the cross. And I'll read those verses again as I close. I'll start at verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you again for your testimony. Thank you that you've, you've given us your testimony in the sacred scriptures, which are God-breathed, and they're profitable to teach us and to remind us and train us in righteousness. But thank you that we have the Spirit, the Spirit which is the truth living in us, to help us to hold fast the truth so we can, we can witness about Jesus Christ faithfully. That we can take God's testimony and make it known as we speak it to people, especially lost, unsaved people. But Father, again, thank you that John reminds us that, that God's testimony is true and it's trustworthy and it's from Him alone. But help us, Father, forgive us when we, when we don't hold on to this testimony faithfully, when we witness about you. Help me and help us all, Father. But thank you again, we have your testimony. And thank you again as we come to the Lord's table, we're reminded of your testimony and how we must do the Lord's table in remembrance of Jesus Christ, your testimony to the world. So thank you, Father. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,